Team Athletics Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Cogliatori, and we have the pleasure of having professional basketball player Nuni Amat and comedian, former professional track athlete Abba Amat. How's it going, fellas? Good. How you doing? What's up, man? I'm doing well. I'm glad you guys are here, man. I, the, the story that you guys have is incredible. Absolutely incredible. You guys have... The success, success story is unbelievable. You know what I mean? I mean, you've been on ESPN for this already which yeah. is absurd. Um, I don't know. Should we start off telling everybody your, your sports background or should we just dive right into it about how you even got to that point first? Um, I guess we can just dive in and then progress, I guess, into there. Well, I know everybody's going to want to hear your story from you guys versus from me. Um, yeah. So, Obs, why don't you run it all out for us from the very beginning because you were three years old kind of when this all went down, right? Yeah, yeah. So we came to the States when I was uh, about four and Nooney was – pretty close to one-ish in that time frame. So he was born in Kenya. I was born in Ethiopia. So at the time, um, when we were in Ethiopia, there was a big war going on. Um, so they had, like, essentially the the government was trying to get our people to fight with another tribe, essentially, just so it's, like, you know, land dominance. There's just so much rich, you know, soil, minerals, all that stuff there. But there's a huge war going on, and essentially my dad, he was ended up in prison, false accusations, things like that. And so they're just pretty much burning down the our, you know, the towns that we were at. So my parents had to leave essentially of an emergency. Uh, so they walked from Ethiopia all the way to Kenya. And then that's where we had Nuni on that way. Which is 440 miles. Yeah, it's, it's pretty far. But again, it's like one of those of like, my mom always just say, it's like, you know, kind of like when we see in the movies where it's like there's planes going around, there's military, just things like that. You're hiding in bunkers. It was pretty difficult, but the thing that was really uh, interesting was my mom. She's a social worker, so she was talking to the people who were over there in Kenya when we got to those, you know, phases. Um, like, one of the ladies who was working at the United Nations was, you know, was like, oh, yeah, I, we know this lady. You know, I went to school with her back in Ethiopia. Yeah, so it's like one of those things, if it didn't happen, like, at the right time, the right place, you know, and everything like that, I don't think it, you know, it would have worked out, you know, as, as, as good as, it, you know, it has for us um, at this point, uh, especially with, like, um, having Nooney, she wasn't even expecting it. She wasn't even expecting to have me, but then it was like an ordeal with her and my dad. They're kind of lovers, but not. And then he found out she's trying to go to America. He kind of followed her. We got to Kenya, had Nooney there, but then he had to stay. We left. He walked from uh, Kenya to South Africa because he was too afraid to go back to Ethiopia and Gambella, where we're from, because the government is pretty much just, you know, take out their people and things like that. And, you know, he's very successful businessman and everything like that. So it was like one of those, the top guys to take out initially first. Um, and like, it was just, you know, a lot of war and a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, bad competition, if you want to, you know, say, like, for example, like my grandpa, he was, you know, he was a, a top doctor back then, you know, he got killed really early when my mom was you know, very young, grandma's gone, you know, essentially it's like, it's one of those things you just have to make that leap of faith, kind of like, uh, but the Batman Dark Knight Rises, like how did a little child do it? It's like, yeah, the thing that got, you know I mean? What the child went through almost, uh, to make that leap, because if you calculate it, it's never going to make sense, or it's not even, you know, it's impossible. But I mean, it's it's crazy to even hear that. I know you're giving us a, a quick overview of everything. I know it's even crazier if you go more in depth. Um, yeah. So your your old man ends up staying behind. Yeah. Your mom comes all the way back to the United States with both of you by herself, a single yeah. mother. 
with two babies, essentially. Yeah. I mean, you're four. He's not even one yet. Yeah. And you're bouncing around from, was it, it was New York, South Dakota, then Minneapolis before you settled on Matamidi? Yep. Yep. So we were in New York just for a little bit. Uh, South Dakota, a few more years, because that's where my uncles were at. You know, so they came first and then a long time before my dad and they were here. So they sponsored us essentially to come through because we were supposed to go to Atlanta, Georgia, but then my dad redirected us over there. So we stayed in South Dakota for a few years, you know, kind of got, you know, because my mom wasn't, she knew like four different languages, but none of them were here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like yeah. ESL, all that stuff, you know, uh, the ways that the government were helping us out. And um, I know for the longest time too, uh, when we moved to Minneapolis, like my mom would have to work, but then I'd have to watch Mooney and like babysit them, even though I was essentially a baby myself. So it was just a lot of like sacrifices, but luckily we had like, you know, good uncles and things like that in Minneapolis in this area that, you know, would come and check in on us, even though they're also trying to learn everything about America too. So it's yeah. like, you walk in at that really fine line. It's kind of interesting too. Like now when I see a lot of people, um, like even I guess like my age, like our age, but they're like the first generation to come through. You know what I mean? So like they, they, you know, did go to the good colleges and stuff like that. But now it's almost hurting them from the aspect of like, I remember we had an Uber driver pick us up and he's from like Somalia or something like that. And he pulled up on this fresh Pathfinder, like a 2017, 2018. I was like, yeah, he's iced out. You know what I mean? But it was like one of those things of like, yeah, I only come, he doesn't know what an uptown is, the Cowboy Slims. It's just, you go to work, you go home, you know, family, yada, yada. Versus now it's like we have, you know, the best of both worlds. You can kind of, you know, weird really walk on that fine line. But it's like the reason that all this even happened with my mom's like wherewithal of, you know, being so in tune with everywhere she's at and everything she does. Cause she's actually the first athletic one out of other, out of us. You know? Really? She's, oh yeah. She's, she's a professional dancer in Africa, just master chef. Um, she did track uh, pretty much every event, discus, uh, shot put, hammer. She did the sprints, the hurdles, things like that. But she was really good at dancing. She's supposed to, she's getting like, flowing around all through Africa and stuff and doing the professional level. So that's where we must get our coordination and things like that. But she's really good with people and pressure. You know what I mean? She said every time that the music hits or whatever it is, she never screwed up in front. You know what I mean? Like that type of ordeal. So, and my dad, he was also an athlete. He did some track, you know, javelin, discus, sprints, some of that. So I guess that's where we get our physique from, but he was very business minded first. You know what I mean? So he was more, you know what I mean? On that side of it. So it was like a, almost like a good mix. That's where I feel sometimes too, like when my grandpa being a doctor, my mom being really good athletics, and my dad athletic too, but also the business savvy side of it, to try to, you know what I mean? So it gave us a really good um, approach to take on this, I guess even this whole ordeal without knowing what's going on in the first place. When it comes to, you know, a completely different country, don't know the language, but we know we have these raw set of skills and things like that we have to kind of work with. And then other thing other than that is just kind of gauging where you're at. You just that emotional intelligence, kind of like with my mom. You know, you're walking from this country to that country to get the like. That's all emotional intelligence. You know? Hell yeah. You know the the question. I want to rewind back a little bit. Um, yeah. Did your uncles as well? Did they stay in the refugee camps that you guys were at? Cause, yeah. Cause so how like long a, did you stay in those too while that was all going on? Just to give people I'm an idea. Stay like a year and a half, two years. But it's like one of those things of because Nairobi, Kenya has a huge airport. Like okay. if you look up a picture of like Nairobi, but oh man, that's downtown Minneapolis. Yeah. You know what I mean? It looks, it's fresh. I was shocked when I went there. Um, but it was one of those, you got to get there. And if there's a refugee camp, I'd probably say take a 12 hour drive from there or something like that. But then where I, when I went back to Africa in 2015, I saw my dad, there was like a little strip about 45 minutes from uh, Nairobi where it's like people kind of like you're in between, like, you know what I mean? Because if you make that trip back at that time was like when, um, 
all the Somalians were putting bombs and stuff on people trying to get over. Jesus. You know what I mean? So it's like, yo, if you're going to make right. that 12-hour drive, it's, your paper's going to be up to the world, you know, but <laughs> I was able to help my dad and get him a little bit closer. I was paying for it when I was in college, but closer to the city, so at any given time, if the trigger got pulled, it's just an easy, you know, 45-minute drive and stuff like that. So that's what happened when I went back. Ironically, it was at the perfect timing I was there. They had their, they got called up and stuff like that, how I got him over, so. In, okay, so here's another question I have, because technically you were born in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. You were born in Kenya. Well, you get to share, and now you're all you're American citizens. Do you yep. get to have? Do you get to have three? You get two. Does he get three citizenships then? I have two, and I think I'm, that's what I'm trying to figure out. Because my dad or my mom or one of them has South Sudan is there. You know what I mean? Because even my back, like at that time, it's like with the people who are filtering through and like yeah. they're trying to like be selective and stuff, people would have to say that they're from South Sudan just to then have like the Ethiopian tie with the thing now of trying to get across. Okay. That you makes know what sense. I mean? So it's like, there's so many like, you know, interlacings behind it and stuff like that. But yeah, I've been trying to figure that out too. Cause I went back when I was trying to train for the Olympics for, for Ethiopia, they gave me the yeah. citizenship, but then I'm a citizen here. But then I was thinking as well, when Moody was trying to play back, like professional basketball, he's going to go, you know, do some stuff over in South Sudan. So I was just thinking, like, are you Kenya, South Sudan, Ethiopia too? No, I'm like, yeah. how does it start to work? Like, where do you start getting cut off? You know? <laughs> but that's got to be huge for a professional basketball player to have that many citizenships. You know, yeah. that's like a prized possession in, in that world over there, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, so that's the thing we're working on right now. I'm trying to get dual citizenship. Yeah. So when you play in Europe, if you have two passports – so, for instance, a team is only allowed to have so many Americans. Mm-hmm. So, if I get my dual citizenship from South Sudan, say, um, then they can add me as an import, and they wouldn't they wouldn't use me as a U.S. citizen. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. they would just use as another import from from over there. So that's like what we're trying to work on right now. Because and then on top of that, once you get dual citizenship, like your money will like go even more because you're more, you're more valuable. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So, is that a common thing to have where like people with dual citizenship won't say they're from the U.S. or is like there are there people that were born in the U.S. that maybe have lived overseas that have a dual citizenship that say yo I'm not an American so that way you can find a loophole and, and win a championship. Yeah. Building them For super basketball? teams and LeBron's over there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was gonna say for like uh, it's tricky too because like even like with citizenship stuff. But even like on my ID, my birthday says January second. I was not born January second. Like, really? yeah, you know, what I mean, I was born in November. But even with the November, I'm not even sure. You know, what I mean, my whole life I grew up celebrating November twelfth. And then recently, like two years ago, my mom's like, I think it's the 29th actually, because we have one of your cousins who's. But my favorite number is 27, so I'm just gonna flip it to 27. Is wrong with that? But it's like there's so many weird. You know, what I mean, like even on Facebook, I'm January like first. It'll be like, or like, you know, uh, or like January 2nd, even January 1st, 2nd, like that little window. You'll be like, oh, ah, but it's your birthday and 147 other people. I already know where they're, like, where they're from. Or like, where, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like type of so it's kind of messed up. But. <laughs> well, then, have you talked to your boys then about trying to set up a super team over there, like in Turkey, where you're going? No, we actually, uh, so the team that I signed to, we just signed. Two pretty big players, actually. They uh, they played in the NBA for a couple of years, and you know, obviously, they're trying to do something big over there. We got some stuff in the works. So, I mean, we have four American guys. Um, 
me and then the two that just signed the last two days, and then we got a big man signed, like, I think last week or something. But, yeah, it should be it should be a good year, I think. Are, are you able to say who the two big names were that signed with you guys? Yeah, uh, Samaj Christian. Uh, he played in Spain last year in the EuroLeague, and then a guy named Sean Kilpatrick, who played for the uh, – okay. I see. Yeah, I've heard that name before. Yeah, he went to Cincinnati, so. Yeah. And you got a connection with the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, sir, I do. <laughs> yes, sir. When, when are we going to see you back in the league is what I really want to know. Man, it's all God's timing, man. If, if I belong here, I'll be back. But if not, I'm, I'm fine with being over there. They pay good money, and, you know, I get to enjoy myself. I'm not all the way in the glamour and stuff like that. I, you know, I don't have the most, like, all the spotlight on me. I get to come home and kind of, you know, live a normal life versus, you know, some of the guys that play in the league. So, I mean, it it all depends. I mean, if it happens, it happens. But if not, I'm not going to be, you know, disappointed, obviously, just because I know I'm still playing, playing the sport I love and I'm getting paid for it. So, You know, I, I just want to ask this straight up. How normal can a, a life for a 6'9", 6'10", man be is what I really want to know. <laughs> I'm, I'm so I really want to know that. <laughs> No, what's crazy is, like, obviously, when you play in the NBA, like, you're more so of an icon. Like, you can't really go out and do certain stuff that people, you know, normal people really do. But when you play in Europe, I mean, because there's guys in Europe that are making, you probably know, Jordan Taylor and Trevor Brockway, they played there for several years. But there's guys that are over there making a crazy amount of money. Like, I'm talking about, you go there for, you go there for what? Ten months. These guys that are making sixty bands a month, and they come home, and you know, obviously, people aren't paying attention to Europe. They're paying attention to the NBA. They're paying attention to the big guys over here, but they come home and they, you know, they have a nice. They they live in a nice place. They have a nice car. You know, they're well taken care of. The people are well taken care of. So it's just kind of like, I mean, for the most part, obviously. Guys, obviously, I get the question all the time. Do you play basketball, this, that, and the third? But it's like, I'm not to where that type of status where I'm under, like, you know, everywhere I go, everyone's like, oh, that's so-and-so, so-and-so. So, I mean, it's kind of like you get questions here and there about if you play basketball, but it's not the same as if you were to play here and you were, like, you know, like an NBA player and guys know you, like, you can go out and do normal stuff, you know, coming home, knowing, okay, I still have some money in my pocket, like, people aren't going to be in my face and doing all this stuff. I mean, you'll get questions here and there, but, you know, at the same time, I, I mean, I I would say I live a pretty normal life when I come home. I mean, obviously, it depends on where I go. If I'm in Texas, some areas, people will know who I am. But obviously, when I'm home, people know that I'm here, but, you know, not everywhere. Like, you know, some places you can't go as an NBA player, like, a lot of places you can't go, you know, like you can't go to Florida, you can't go to California because everyone's going to know who you are, you know, mm -hmm. depending upon what player you are, though, too. You know, I'm going to, I want to, I want to get into your, your career, actually, because it, it's crazy how you started off, because originally, weren't you doing like soccer and football? You weren't even doing basketball starting off. No, I never played soccer. I should have, though, because, you know, it's real good footwork. But no, I played uh, baseball. Growing up, I played um, football. I didn't – I mean, basketball, obviously, I played here and there, but it wasn't like – my main sport was football. Football? You know, I love – yeah, I love football. I love, you know, just the constantly hitting people and just, just a whole bunch of stuff. You wouldn't think that – think that. He was uh, a hothead. You wouldn't think that because I was so skinny. But, 
I just love, you know, hitting people and just, just the feeling of that gave me a rush. He used to talk that thing a little bit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, what position were you playing? I played running back. I played linebacker. I played uh, – I was a kick returner, punt returner. Uh, played quarterback some. Played uh, so did you, safety. You hit a growth spurt. You just play, hit a growth spurt late then? Because, I mean, there's not a lot of super tall – Oh yeah, I hit it. I, I hit it real late. I hit it probably uh, my last year of high school, and then I grew some in college as well. You know, I, I wasn't always tall. You know, everyone always wonders like, "Damn, how'd you get so tall?" Like, because they used to, everyone used to be a lot like, "Well, we used to be the same height, or at least they'd be a little bit taller than me." You know, when I got to high school, going to my senior, I grew a little bit. Well, I grew, and then in college, I grew some also. When did you? Play we both for the first time. Like so, when you're trying to play for your team, your you high said, school. When did I play? Yeah, oh, when high did school? you start playing? Uh, I played freshman year. Freshman year, okay. Because what I was reading was your junior. Not, year. not like varsity though. That's what I read. I read junior year you were playing junior varsity. Then your senior so like, year you blew up. So like we we both had like the same growth spurt. It must be from our genetics, like the same time frame. Like when I was doing track, my sophomore year I wasn't even JV, and then the following year I won after the season I went to state. Yeah, but like, and then, and then Nooney, same thing too. Like his sophomore year, he was probably like what five, ten ish, and then junior year he probably got to like six three ish. Like at start of the season, and got a little bit taller. Another same for me. Like we in that window, and then the senior, he got to like six five. You know what I mean? And I went, I went from like one ninety six to like two fifteen, but I went from like a five two forty to like a four four five. So it was like we both just blew up and. Like that, the perfect time where like we can start getting recruited. And people look at it. Oh, that guy probably has a high ceiling. Yeah. Like, type of window, like you know, what I mean, because he was what six one, six five, and then six nine, like the jump, kind of like my weight just went up like fifteen pounds. But yeah. we've always had like the touch, though. I think that's probably from our mom. But we just didn't have like the body yet. But we've always, you know, I mean, like we're growing up, we always worked on handles, and like he always had this a little, you know, the touch to him for some reason, you know. Okay. And I kind of had the same thing. Our helps. bodies came at the same time. Like at that you know, junior to senior year, and then into college, that little window it just it kind of just blew up like the perfect perfect meeting. Yeah, and that probably helps too with like your game as a basketball player, where you start as a guard, so you still have those guard skill sets. And then when yeah. you grow up into a, a big man, now the bigs that they're guarding you have to deal with that guard skill set. Yeah, for sure. Well, the the craziest part to me is when I look at the numbers. Like I said, junior year you played junior varsity, but then your senior year you blew up. You averaged eighteen point six boards and two assists. And you were let down because you didn't have any D1 offers. You went D2. And then you tore it up at Concordia. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you know what? I want to do this D1 thing, right? Why don't you tell yeah. us what was going through your mind getting to that point? Uh, honestly, I had I had some guys that that I was uh, with at Concordia that told me, like, that I had, I had a shot at just playing at a higher level if I just continued to focus and work at it. And obviously, I was working at it every day. And I just, I just noticed strides that I was – improving and I just realized like oh okay I'm starting to realize that you know I can play with higher competition and I just started getting used to my body and I started getting better and better and better so I just took that leap of faith and was like you know I believe in myself and I think that this is the best decision for me is to try to play at the highest level I can and you know obviously it worked in my favor obviously it wasn't easy it wasn't an easy road it was it was real tough just because you know like you said, I wasn't highly recruited, and you know, guys were 
you know, certain star recruits coming out of high school and, you know, they, that's an, they had an advantage already. So I just, I just was hungry and I was just like, I don't care who I go against, like whoever it is, like, you know, I know how hard I've worked and what I've done and what I, type of work I put in. And I just was thinking to myself, I know they probably have not done what I've done. So, you know, obviously they have all these accolades and stuff like that. But for me to get to where I got to, it was obviously not the same as a five-star recruit to get to where he got to, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of, I just was like, you know, now is my, my time. I feel like if I leave, I could go somewhere and, you know, we're known for taking those little jumps. So I was just like, why not? You know, I believe in myself and, you know, everyone was just like, you, you can do it. You know, obviously, it was a lot of people that said, you're stupid, don't do it. Like, there's no point in it because it's going to be so many people that are like you times times five. And I was just like, that's what kind of fueled me more is when people were like, yeah. like you're stupid. You know, like, so I was like, right. you know, I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to prove him wrong. But at the same time, it's like, I'm going to prove myself right just because I know that I can, you know. Well, it's crazy because, man, it's been like eight, Eight years, pro- I mean, you started doing that when we were in college jobs. I remember you recording his workouts. You'd be out there. You were his biggest fan. Yeah. Recording everything, putting everything out there. Telling. I remember walking down the quad and you telling me, yo, my brother's going to the NBA. Like, telling me that on the spot, dead ass, I believed you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's just how you are. <clears throat> you're, the, you're the kind of person, when you talk, bro, you just you listen to it. You know what I mean? You have that yeah. about you. And, yeah. and... I've never seen the consistency is there. The hard work is there. And obviously you get that from your parents. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, that's amazing. And what was that like when you finally, you know, you killed it at Concordia, you go to that community college, a D1 community college, you kill it there. Then when you get your offer, I mean, I heard the story from your coach about what happened when he gave it to you. And he just said, nobody had ever given people that are D1 recruits. Don't give that type of reaction. So he said it, it felt so much better to him to give it to you because you were tears of joy about it all. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Just because, you know, obviously, like I said, it was a lot of, it was a lot of doubt. And a lot of people was, you know, telling me that it was stupid for me to do it, to go. They obviously didn't have faith in me doing it. And just to see that, you know, obviously my hard work was paying off, you know, getting a scholarship from a Power 5 conference. And, you know, I had several more offers too, but at the same time, it's like, you know, for me, it was like something that I felt like, you know, I, I worked so hard for it, you know. And, you know, when you work so hard for something, and sometimes, obviously, you're not always going to succeed. You're going to fail sometimes. And, like, when it when it happened, it's just like, it just made me think about all the stuff that I had to go through and what I did and all this, all that. Like, I was just like, man, like, I really, I really put my all into it. And it finally, it finally paid off. And, obviously, that wasn't, like, the ending goal. But it was just like, you know, it's crazy what you can do when you work hard. You know? Just re- reaping some sort of benefits. And I think too for Newman's like one of the biggest things. Like, it's like one of those things. Like when your little brother, when your brother tells you something, when you know, it's almost like he told me he wanted it. So I'm like, oh yeah, that's what we're gonna head towards. But kind of like what you, he's saying, it's like all those years, even when he was not playing at all, and like we're still just doing these drills for no reason and stuff like that. The thing he always has with that edge. You know, I mean, I always tell him that, like, <clears throat> he's got to be careful because, like, or like me and him, because we're so different, but, like, it's kind of the same. Like, they kind of, like, feed off each other. Like, for Nooney, he's such, you know, he gets so focused in. So, it's like his internal, what he feels like inside is what I look like physically. 
you know, you know, essentially, you know what I mean? But then when people approach me, they think he looks like he must be, you know what I mean? Just uh, inside, I'm like, no, he's happy-go-lucky, like, you know what I mean? Just bouncing around type of guy. But that's what it was. People didn't know, like, who he was all those years growing up like that. I'm like, no, this dude's been, you know what I mean? He's been whooping my ass all these years, even, you know what I mean? Like, trying to fight me for any, kind of like what Jordan was talking about, you know, every time me and my brother did anything, like, we have to fight. What are you talking about? But he was always whooping my ass, but I had to, you know what I mean? And on top of it, too, like going to, you know, all white school, essentially, you're already like your mentality, you know what I mean? In a different country, no dad, raised by mom, all white school. Like, it's all these things. It's like, it just kind of throws you off a little bit. So it's like one of those things, like, you know, kind of like with the tears of joy you're talking about. It's like, how many like movies I've seen to like, versus, you know what I mean? Just thinking this is going to be a flat line. It's like, it's almost like the hardest route possible got taken. Like, why? down 4-1 and something, you know what I mean, like 3-1, like, somehow came back, it was like one of those, like, you just felt like you're all, the whole time you felt down. How, how'd you learn to maneuver in that situation? You know what I mean? Right off the bat. Well, I think the thing that was nice was, because I think if Nooney would have been older, like the older brother, I don't think it would have been happened as much, because he's just more, like, um, laser-focused and, like, so aggressive with his work. You know what I mean? Versus mine, I was kind of pudgier and then got, you know, into that. But then on top of it, too, it, they forced me, kind of like with Nooney, he didn't get to play until junior, senior year. But then when he played, he still, like, he wasn't, even, he wasn't like a captain or anything. But like, mine, I went from, like, yo, I started sophomore year, uh, you know, trying to do track, terrible. Junior year, I'm all, you know, after the season. So now, <clears throat> immediately, I'm a captain. I'm like, what the heck? How am I supposed to be leading all these white kids? I'm the black one here. They drive Mercedes, I have to walk, like, it's just so many, <laughs> but it throws, like, your, you know, your mind in a different route a little bit, you know what I mean, the same with, like, St. Thomas, and then, like, doing so many different events, so it's kind of like with track, it's like, they, it's almost like how basketball players, you know, you're a shooter, no, just shoot, you're a big man, just do big man stuff, if you're, you know, such and such, just, just do your own thing, but for me, it was almost like track, everybody's supposed to do their own thing, but I did everything, so I got everybody to, like, interlace somehow, it's like one of those things of, uh, I get my points, but it's still for the school. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like with football, it's like, man, I'm always getting – somebody always, you know, that last little governor was like, yo, I eat, and then we all eat. You know what I mean? Like, some meets, I'm having more points than entire schools. Like, I don't know where day, it's for the school, like our school. So, it's like that fine line versus basketball is a little bit different. You know what I mean? And that's the thing that was like for, for Nunes, too, was kind of probably what threw him off. It's like he probably felt so German. Now it's like, no, he was looking at you like, man, you're the, that miracle. So you're kind of like, whoa, whoa, what you talking about? You haven't said none of that for the last 19 years. You know what I mean? So it just throws it off a little bit, you know? It's crazy when you say that you compete, because that's something I wanted to get into when we talk about you and, and, and the track <laughs> stuff. Um, it's crazy. Like you said, you would have more points than some schools would put together as a whole team. You competed yeah. in everything. And, and the funniest thing, dude, and I joke with you about it all the time. Like I tell you, you got a bird chest. You're the most jacked. But nobody would know you're Jack. Like, you got a six-pack, and you're running the 60, but you're also the dude who's tossing the disc the furthest. Like, it was the craziest yeah. thing i ever seen. It's like the bumblebee. How does the bumblebee fly? You were the fastest yeah. you're on the track team, and you don't look like you'd be a sprinter. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it was one of those things, too. It's like, I didn't run really until, like, one of my buddies, Roman Kress, Roman Kress now, he was an Olympian who went to St. Thomas, ran, you know, 2008 against the Usain Bolt. He ran for the islands. He has all the records of St. Thomas national champion. But all those years, like, I tell coach, like, yo, I'm kind of fast. Let me get in there. You know, I see guys with that just kind of laughing off. But then Roman came and said, like, no, put the horse in there. Look how strong he is. And I just – because I didn't really even, like, 
because I was doing so many events, I didn't really run, run. I just did like blocks before the race. If I was strong enough to kind of, you know, enough technique probably from our parents, but just a genetic response or whatever it is. But it was one of those things, kind of like with the, with the St. Thomas football team. I was like, dude, I can play out here, bro. I could, yeah. you know what I mean? The same thing with Modern Meat. I was playing wide receiver and nose guard, even though I'm not the <laughs> fastest kid. Like, and like, even the first day when the coaches put me on nose, the whole team laughed. You know, because we just, we all summer long were playing and doing drills and stuff, and I'm just circles around it, you know, I mean, just sure. stuff like that. But it's like one of those things of like, yo, like the environment's telling you this, but you've had this completely different feeling. Like, what's that? Who's willing to actually, you know, everybody says they're a dog, but it's like there's levels to like who's, really you know what I mean? Like, who actually believes? And Nguyen's been like that since he was little, man. Like, even if I said something different, he just has to go his way. Fight, fight, fight to the end. Even if it's, even if I was right, you know, it's just one of those things. It's just my pride. And that's what he had. He's like, no, I'm, I'm good. What are you guys talking about? Like, I just kept going with it. And just kept going with it. You know what I mean? Stay laser focused. On yeah, it. the progression's insane, man. It's so impressive to to do what you've done. Like you said, I'm glad you you proved all the doubters wrong, man, and you didn't give up on yourself. Because that, that, that's at the end of the day, it's always you against everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Usually the person you are is your worst enemy. You know what right. I mean? The person who usually fails himself is themselves. So mm-hmm. if you never can give in to the self-doubt, then you're golden. And, and to, to do it, dude, it's a miracle. I, I, it, it's written, yeah. bro. This story was that, written before you were even born. And that's what's like really good with us, too. It's like I'm only the way I act because I have to walk, you know what I mean, see how – Everything, you know what I mean, has to get filtered. So it's like we bounce off, like what you're saying, it's like the perfect, like the way it bounces off each other. Or else I'd be probably completely different if I didn't have, you know, see his errors, if he didn't see, you know what I mean, vice versa. Oh, for sure. For sure. So I, I, I wanted to get into that too. When, when you get through playing at college, you play there for two years at Baylor. And, and I guess we didn't even get into why'd you choose Baylor over your other offers? Uh, you know, it was just something about about the players and obviously the coaching staff. They they do a really good job of recruiting. And, you know, it's just I just I just felt like a family oriented kind of feeling. And the guys, you know, they took me in like on my visit. You know, kind of just I just felt like it was the right place to go because I felt like I had a good relationship with them. As soon as I got on my visit, that was like the most important thing to me was obviously being able to get along with the teammates. <laughs> Obviously, you get along with the teammates, and you know, it's usually the best. The best teams usually are the ones that you know are more connected and get along together. So, and I just felt that when I when I went on my visit, so I was just like, I feel like this is the right choice. And a, a really cool thing they did too is your senior year. That was your guys' first time seeing your dad in years, right? Mm-hmm. At first time in your life, wasn't it, Nunier? Not your life, like, but since you were Nunier. It was, it was yeah, 21 years for Noonan. Holy shnikes, man. Yeah, and I saw him in 2015, so mine wasn't as long. But So mine was, like, yeah, like 20 to 21 years, maybe. Jesus, that's... Yeah, that's but it was crazy. like, yeah, but like you are saying, like, I saw him, I was like, yeah, bro, I was like, man, JD, your number's 21, you haven't seen this dude in 21 years? It's like, he's coming down right at the right timing, here's senior night, like, this was, it was like one of those things that was meant to be. So, I mean, going through that, the school sets that all up, or how does that all even transpire well it wasn't as orchestrated because it was kind of just off the cuff you know what i mean because it's one of those things too like I, when i went to see my like i'm more you know what i mean like i'm more cerebral i love it i'm a huge writer first stuff like that moves more laid back like you know just doing his own thing so even 
when I went back to you know see my dad in Africa in that refugee camp, just waiting there for his thing to happen. I was like, just tell me everything, you know, just put the, the laptop out. Just told me everything that's happened, you know, since you know day one essentially, and stuff like that. But I knew if I planned it for Nuni and my dad to be, I'd almost have to trip Nuni up. So it's one of those things, you know. I, I was doing camera work and my like, shooting weddings and all that stuff at the time, so I had the camera. And I just told my we had to stop, you know, in the student center, or whatever, the little gym there. And then he didn't know that my dad was already, you know, across. So we kind of just walked in. I had a buddy uh, named Carter who's from Minnesota too. He had his other camera, um, and we kind of just. Had it had to happen, you know, right there and stuff like that. And the team, um, when I uh, I did it and sent it to one of the coaches, and they put it up in the jumbotron. And at that same time, that that's when they shipped it out to ESPN on this book too. So. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even with that, I saw news. I'm like, yo, like obviously everybody can hoop, everybody can hoop, you know. When it gets to, the, but at the end of the day, it's like it becomes your story. Like that's what starts to, you know, what I mean, like people want to hear that, people want to see that. Like, and you can get to the point of like a Baylor, which is you know one of the top schools. They, they just want you for the person you are. We just want to change the program because of who you are. Like, we think that's what the future looks like because that's what it looks like or what it looks right, you know? Dude, I think I think this shit's like a, a like Hollywood can even write up the script, to be honest. Oh, yeah. My, my mom always says that, too. She says, yeah, you're going to end up on Ellen. I've watched movies. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> There's going to be a biopic of you guys, for real. That's the craziest story ever. And, and I don't know. It, we live in a time where our generation is at least fortunate where, you know, Electronics has kind of messed up a lot of things for us, but at the same time, it's connected us in a lot of ways. And yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we're all in our own places right now, interacting on Zoom. It's a cool feature to be able to have, hopefully, with your dad and everybody else, you know, to, to contact and stay in contact with everyone. Um, yeah. Make distances Different. not seem so far away. Um, yeah, yeah. But, it, it, dude, Baylor, I, I commend you guys all for that. That's, that's so awesome. It, it was cool the way that ESPN did it all as well. Um, but then leading up to that, you're prepping for the draft. Mm-hmm. What's going on with everything that, like, what did that all entail for you? I mean, it was just, I mean, like from the beginning, like what I said before, like just to, just to see like my progress from, you know, obviously like, like I said, not having any, any type of people have, you know, faith in me and a lot of doubters and all that stuff. And then, from finding out that I could potentially be a draft pick and, you know, getting ready for the NBA and just training for the draft and a whole bunch of stuff. It was just, it was just all, I mean, it wasn't shocking to me because I knew, I knew to like, for me, I was like, this is, I knew this was going to happen, you know, just because I was like, you know, oh, you don't, you don't, nothing, like when you work hard, there's always, there's always benefits in it. So, but like, then as soon as I started feeling like, okay, the time is coming, like, I'm going to do my pre-draft workouts, I'm going to this team, this team, this team, I was just like, it's all emotion now, you know? From this point on, it's like, this is what you've been working for, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, I've been working this hard, but then I realized, like, the end goal is, the time is, like, for what is about to happen right now, you know, pre-draft, working out for teams, trying to get drafted, seeing what's going to happen, and all that stuff, it was just something to me where I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Because I just went from three years ago, <laughs> not a single soul knew who I was. Not a single <laughs> soul, like nobody knew who I was. To now, you know. Some sort of savior or something. Some team, like a lot of teams were talking about this, that, and the third. And, you know, people were talking about how I could really, 
you know, make a big impact because of the way I could shoot the ball at my size and all this stuff. And I was just like, you know, this is this is crazy. Like it just happened. It felt like it happened so fast. Yeah. And then I was. Is it hard not to? Is it hard not to get kind of caught up in them pitching you the dream? Is they're talking about, you know, hey, we think you can come in, whether it's the Brooklyn Nets, the Lakers, or whoever's talking about drafting you and say, yeah, we think you could be the next star of this league? I mean, yeah. it's. I mean, to me, obviously, it was a lot of teams because it was teams. Uh, I remember Detroit had called my agent and told them that if they had a late, late second-round pick that they would draft me. But they had a late second-round pick and they didn't draft me. So it's like, they, they tell you what you want to hear. You know, obviously the NBA is one yeah. of the biggest businesses in, in, in the United States, but they tell you what you want to hear. And like, it's crazy because I didn't know much about the draft process. I didn't know much about the NBA, like what happened in it and all this stuff until obviously I was thrown in the fire of being, you know, in the business part of it. And it's crazy because they, they, sell you and pitch you like no other and it's just like they tell you what you want to hear and but they already they already in their mind have made up what they have in their mind you know what i mean so they can tell you all the stuff but really it's just they're just telling you the stuff even though it's not what you actually are gonna get from what they tell you so to me i was just shocked because i was just like you know all my pre-draft workouts i had i was balling you know all the coach, like all the coaches and the scouts and stuff like that, after the workouts, after my meetings and all that stuff, were telling me all this stuff, and I'm just like, wow, like, man, because I mean, everyone, everyone on my team from Baylor was like, we feel like you'll be a better NBA, like if you'll be a better NBA player versus you know college, just because of the way I play, and I was just like, I mean, I, I totally agree, you know, all that space, and you know, obviously in the NBA, not everybody is a James Harden, not everybody's a Kevin Durant, not everybody's a LeBron. Like, I'm going to have a role, and I know if they tell me my role is to shoot corner threes and play defense, I'll be able to do it better than a majority of the players that have to – that's what their roles are, you know what I mean? And that's what I was thinking of myself. But obviously that's not what ended up happening. But to me, I was just like, you know, to be in that situation was, you know, I learned a lot from it. You know, I was upset. I was frustrated about some of the situations and what happened, but – at the same time, it was a learning experience, and that's that's what everyone needs to do is learn from certain things. And yeah. I definitely yeah, and and going through like the draft process because you're doing a lot of workouts, a lot of five on five basketball. Were there other guys that were obviously in your draft class that you were giving buckets to, or that you were like kind of validated yourself? Oh yeah, I could really play at this level oh, yeah, because I'm sure. going up against I mean, people that are projected on the first round. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, because I had, I mean, obviously I had. Well, I think I had 10 pre-draft workouts, and, I mean, I probably had one bad pre-draft workout to where I didn't know where I felt like I could have done better. But other than that, I mean, because me personally, it doesn't matter who's in the gym. Like, if obviously, as a basketball player, your mindset has to – you can't be, like, intimidated by the next player. Like, oh, he's projected to be the number one player. He's projected to be this. I mean – it's basketball at the end of the day, you know. Like, I work out, he works out. I bleed, he bleeds. I breathe, he breathes. I sleep, he sleeps. I eat, he eats. Like, you know, obviously it's an exception because everyone is like, LeBron's not human. But at the same time, at the end of the day, he is human. He's just got some physical attributes that a lot of people in this world don't have. You know what I mean? 
And uh, with that, it's just, I mean, obviously basketball is 90% mental. And if you already think something about the next person that you're playing against, you're already at a disadvantage. You know what I mean? So, and that's something I had to learn because obviously when I got to Baylor, I was like, I was a little struck because I got there. Everybody was a lot bigger than me, a lot more physical, a lot stronger, a lot faster. You know what I mean? The game speed was different. But then once I got, you know, used to it, it was like, okay, like, and once it started catching up, once I started catching up to it, then it wasn't really much, much that, you know, I couldn't be like, oh, I was, I was intimidated because of this. Like, I'll admit, when I first got to Baylor, I was getting, I was like, I think I made the wrong decision. And that's just how it is for everybody. You know, obviously they have, they have experience of strength and conditioning. They have experience of, you know, certain things. I mean, it's all at a high level. It's the best strength and conditioning. They're eating the best food. They're getting protein shakes and all this and everything, recovery, hot tub, cold tub, treatment, every part. I mean, it's just, it's only, it's only right for you to get better if you go through something like that, you know what I mean? You know, my, my other question right off the bat, you're talking about a 3 and D player. So, I mean, the, the person I think of prototypical for that pretty much is Matt Barnes. And he had a great career doing that. In your mind, it, are you looking at guys like that to kind of try to mold your game more like them? Or are you just still trying to be, yo, this is just who I am, Nuni Amat, and that's it? Or are you picking apart other people too? I mean, for sure. I mean, I, I, I look at certain players to see how they, you know, do certain things. And, you know, one thing that I realized was if I play in the league, you know, I'm going to have to – be able to shoot, which I know I can shoot, but my biggest knock coming out, like, you know, obviously every player has knock is how how consistently can he defend and play hard? You know what I mean? And that was that was my that was my knock was does he consistently play hard and does he consistently defend? And, you know, because obviously with shooting they knew, okay, he can shoot. But yeah, you defensively, can. is he gonna be is he gonna be a liability? Is he gonna give us this this night, or is he gonna? And that was that was obviously some of the knock that they were having. But when I watch certain players, like you know, I haven't really watched Matt Barnes, but I know he's a proto, prototypical three and D. Um, Luke Balmute is a prototypical, you know, three and D. Uh, who else? Um, Covington. Rob Covington is yeah. a prototypical three and D. Um, I mean, you even think you can throw in like PJ. I mean, damn near everybody on the, P- the Rockets team. P- yeah, PJ Tucker. <laughs> PJ Tucker. Um, what's his name from from the Trailblazers? Oh, um, you're talking about. Uh, um, 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 you're talking about. Uh, God, I'm I'm running a blank right now, but I know who you're talking about. I don't know how I forgot because I actually watch him a lot. Uh, I'm running a blank right now too, but I know exactly I who you're talking about. For, uh, like the same question you're asking, um, it's a good question because I got put in like that scenario too. Like when I was talking about the track, yeah, it was like that fine line because AO is like the MJ versus LeBron, like rings are like okay, what's he's actually doing for the whole like system here thing? Because I like, even like with track, like if it was up to me, I probably would have just did like maybe one sprint and just do like the disc or something. But it's like, really? no, you can do so many things. Kind of like with new ones, it's like they're probably looking at it like, that. you can do everything. But it's like, yo, at the same time, you got to relay what you need today and then tomorrow. And then like, you know, because it's going to yeah. change in, in that aspect of it. Because, you know, with me, track, I just did everything. But then now, so you get fatigued or else like you should just did maybe these things this day. You know, did you, you know what I mean? Kind of like when I was at James Harden, I had like a 
and the LeBron's like, oh, I'll just get two more assists that week to show you guys, oh, we can just switch it that day if we need to. But I'm still going to run this way. Weren't you in that situation, though? Because at the time, when you were done with UST, you were training to, to compete in the Olympics. But when you're competing, were yeah, you so only like, doing one tough, event or you multiple events? Right. So when I, when I was competing for at St. Thomas, I was – it was one of those things that stretched myself so thin that I was like almost at the same level at all of them. So I don't know which one to choose, but what got me there was throwing the discus. But then like now at the discus level, when you get to a big level out right there, it's like if no one's trying to be a big, or else is he going to go out like a point guard route? It's like, do I lean up and get to like 195, 200 instead of 225? Or is it my muscles actually make me run fast? Or no, I know for sure I'm going to have to train this hard but the big guys be a power lifter, even though I just I'm power lifting and doing six different events before, like you know, that fine, like that weird fine line. Even like with uh, with Ao, he was he just did the mainly jumps, and he probably won, you know, like let's say every conference meet, you can get 30 points, you know, 10 first place, 10, 10, 10. But me, let's say I stressed out eight, eight, eight average or whatever, everything it was like one of those things. He went further for the national level, I guess you want to call it like a, a coaches. My, you know what I mean? Like the, mm-hmm. but then like the teammates, like wait, he's getting more points. Obviously, he didn't go as far, but he, that guy's independent now. That's his own little thing. Versus who is like the most valuable player for our team? Versus it just like the most, you know, be kind of like what yeah. you're saying now. Does it become the people or is it yourself? Like what's that fine line? And obviously, you, know, you always have that coach in the middle too. So it's like trifolds the wave. It's like you know, it keeps double whamming on itself. Being in that yeah, position, you want to be the team or the coach or the coach is saying me. The coach saying team like, or is that for the coach? It's like there's just so many, especially with basketball. It's one of those things too of like, for track I was so good, so by default, and I had to make the people correlate. They can get it. Whereas basketball, they're just naturally more like, yo, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm cook up, you know, what I mean stuff like that. There's not really a, you know, interlacing like that. But that's one of the reasons too that I did so well. Say Thomas, it's like now I'm happy that I took the sacrifice mm-hmm. of that because now that the culture is changing, when I go back and go, oh, that's the, even though he was throwing, he went out of his out of his way and brought a camera over and filmed all the the the, the teammates you know the coaches don't have cameras if you have any has cameras but then like it's one of those things of like he's walking that tire you know i mean that tire rope and then i was like even when i was at um st thomas i was still coaching at Matamita every summer you know that, yeah, you know, that for 12 for 12 years yeah. you know what i mean so it's like you know what i mean so it's walking that tight line but juggling a lot but at the same time some people can like like lebron they like having all that responsibility some people are just like hey let me just do this, and that's who I am. It's like you know what I mean. So it's like a you know, it gets in that weird. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. If you if you're spreading yourself was, thin, it's hard to do one thing well. Right. Yeah. A bunch of, you know, just everything. Yeah. I was talking about. Uh, I was talking about El Farouk Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. That's who I mean. Because when I was coming in, that's who a lot of guys were comparing me to. Was El Farouk. And so, he's he's a baller. He, his stuff's kind of. Uh, unorthodox like his shot and stuff but he is a yeah baller. yeah they were saying but he def- defensively he's yeah he's, he's that a, dude yeah he can def- he can defend he's that guy sure. when well so when when you get into the league you're playing for the golden state warriors and the nets before you go overseas what was it like when you're when you're leaving those systems what are the coaches telling you hey we need you to do this are they talking to you about playing hard in your defense then is the, the thing that everybody was talking about uh, I mean, not necessarily. They were they were more so just telling me like certain things as far as you know, getting stronger and doing certain things. You know, just to be able to 
you know, bang inside and out and just stuff like that. But it wasn't really too much. I mean, because like I said, like they had they had an idea of what they wanted to do already. So it was kind of like they need to fill up the roster for summer league. They need to fill it up for training camp. You know, regardless of how good you play, they kind of already had an idea in their mind. Like this is what we're going working on with this. Somebody plays well because I played well in summer league for the most part. If somebody does this, like we already know what's in our mind. Like you know, we already you know invested into this player. We know that we're going to sign this player, and just certain stuff like that. So they were just telling me like, because I was like, what do you guys feel like I should work on, and what what do you think? Because uh, they said skill skill wise, like they said I'm skilled enough to play, like for sure. And I remember being in camp, and D'Angelo Russell used to tell me all the time. He was like, bro. If you learn how to decide when to pick and pop, there's no there's no reason why you shouldn't be in the NBA. Whether you play for us or you go somewhere else, you're an NBA player. So, I mean, you have you can shoot, you're athletic, like you know, you just learn when to when when to pick and pop, learn when to pick and roll, you know, and just certain situations like that. And he said you'll be good. But it was just like certain stuff like that. I, I remember because when I was there, like in camp, I was not struggling one bit. And those guys that obviously struggled a little bit, but you know, for me, I felt like I was I was ready. You know what I mean? And you know, obviously, if I would have had more leeway, if I would have had more opportunity, like, and they would have actually got to see me in action, like more than what I think I played one preseason game, I would have for sure been able to make the team. But obviously, that wasn't the case because I said like they already knew what they wanted to do because like I remember. Kenny Atkinson in my meeting the last day that I got cut, he was saying like, you know, I had no idea about like who you were and stuff like that, but you were one of by far one of the most impressive players in camp, and you know I'm obviously gonna keep my eye out on you like for sure, and, and he was just saying that. And then when I got to the G League, it was just it was just a mess, you know, because we had so many players at my position. I was a rookie. We had returning guys. We had guys that had been playing pro already and stuff like that. So it was just kind of, from that from that standpoint, it was just a little difficult because it was like, now in the G League, I wasn't put in the right situation. Had I been in the right situation, it would have been a totally different story. Because my teammates from the G League knew that I should have been playing. And obviously that wasn't the case because we had we had so many guys that we were loaded. So deep. We were loaded. Like our team was loaded. We had the best team in the G League. We should have won the championship that year, but we ended up losing in the champion in, in the final. Like it was just, it was just, it was just crazy because I was, you know, obviously, I was expecting them to play a lot. I was expecting them to, you know, have a good year. Which this, like, you know, it led on to my next, my following year going into going overseas because, you know, obviously, my minutes were being fluctuated. So, you know, I had the wrong mindset, and I learned from it, but. My goal every time I got in the game was I'm getting them up. I don't even care where I'm at, you know, <laughs> which kind of that messes me up because then that plays my numbers because my leashes, I don't have the same leash as everybody else. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I, was, I don't care. I'm shooting it. Like, whether it goes in or not, I'm just shooting it. You know, I got to try to find some type of rhythm. Otherwise, yeah. you know, I know I'm getting taken out, so I have to shoot it. Yeah. So that kind of just, that, that, yeah. put, that played a factor in my next year going overseas, which kind of, you know, I wasn't expecting to go where I ended up going. You know, the team that I ended up going to, they owe me a lot of money still to this day. So I had to leave there because I was just like, no, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. So 
uh, then after that, you know, I ended up going to Holland, and that's where, you know, obviously, you know, I shouldn't have been there either, but obviously it was all a learning experience. You know, and I went there, and then I played a year of competition, which helped me get this job in Turkey, which is, you know, now I'm back on track to where I was before, you know what I mean? Yep. Turkey's one of the top places to play in, in Europe. You know, it's a lot of ex-NBA players playing over there. It's a lot of, you know, scouts that come down there and watch and stuff like that. You know, it's just all about, it's just all about, you know, opportunity. When I play, I'm going to produce. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Like, that's, there's no question about it. Like, if you play me, I will produce. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm going to do something for the team that's going to help the team. But, you know, if you guys, you know, hold me back and, you know, you know, kind of have me on this little leash that is like, no, like, if I, if I do something, you hold me back, then that's when it's like, okay, like, the mind games are serious at that level because yeah. they, they play with your mind. They're going to see how you react. And me, for instance, like, like he told you before, my, like, I, I get I get mad fast. So if I feel like somebody's messing around with me, like, it's like, like, no, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to react, which I shouldn't, which is the professional thing to do is not to react. But I don't have that type of leeway to where I can react that way. Yeah. Because if I had that leeway, then I'd be able to react that way. But then that's when people are like, "Oh, what the what the heck?" Like, you know, it's like you see you see what you're doing to me, and everybody knew what they did to me. Like Long Island was messed up. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew that. Like all my teammates, everyone. They my teammates were like, "I should be playing because I was in practice." Like dogging them like it was bad like i was you know what i mean and i'm just like if i got to play like this in a game i would have definitely got called up i would have got yeah. a 10 day for sure there's no question about it me personally the way that i play i was like this i would have definitely got a 10 day you know what i mean like it's like one of those scenarios too it's like you're asking somebody what to do but you don't even know what you want to be at mm-hmm. it's like one of those and even like when he went overseas it was almost good because now it's like yo this dude is just just crushing everybody, you can't really say anything. You know what I mean? So kind of let them just, let me release everything that's been building up these last couple of years of just, you know, I'm, on the, I'm trying to get in there, Coach. I know I can do, but when I get in there, you tell me to let off the gas. Also, when I'm trying to find my groove to get on the gas, you turn it on, not like just versus over there. It was just like, you could just clearly see that he was, you know what I mean? He was playing a lot more free. You know what I mean? It was just the coach has been, he's just the best player there. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the players there, from other teams, like, dude, why are you even here? Like, just one of those things, because it was just the way he's taken over, but it was one of those things, too. I told him, like, it was good to just, you know what I mean, get it all out for a second, too, because I kind of made up for those freshman, sophomore years that a lot of the guys who play pro, you start as a freshman, sophomore, on a high percentage of them. I'm like, it's those years now catching up to just, yo, take all the pressure, lead these guys, do what you need to do, Cuss out the coach, cuss out the, yeah. you know what I mean? Just those little things that kind of happen for a lot of guys who just kind of mature mentally, you know, because one of those things of the progression was so fast that it's like, whoa, yeah. the human aspect of it kind of, you know, we kind of got taken away a little bit, you know? Well, after that experience of Long Island, I mean, would you go back and do the G League? I mean, kind of this year, right now, they're kind of predicting a lot of people will do that route because of COVID. And they don't, like a lot of little leagues, they think will be done. They might have to make new, like a lot of people are probably going to go bankrupt over there and close their teams down that are the smaller leagues. I'm saying not the big leagues. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, me personally, I would never go back to the G League. For real? Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, the money's really bad. It's, 
This, I mean, this the G League's not, not a good basketball like situation to try and get people thinking, like, oh, it's like you go to the G League and the next step's the NBA. It feels like it's yeah, exactly. That's, that's another from, thing too. In Europe, in Europe, they don't respect the G League at all. Really, like, right. they have no respect for the G League. They think because I mean, you got to think the G League is really like open gym. Mm-hmm. They don't teach you how to play the game of basketball. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's it's kind of like you know. It's a lot of selfishness that goes on, and it's you know it's not team basketball. You're not playing actual basketball. And I don't know if you guys are right. familiar with what Lucas said about the NBA versus Europe. He said that playing in the Euro League is harder than playing in the NBA because they actually play like they play actual basketball. Like I did NBA, not the game. Yeah, the NBA is really obviously everyone. It's one it's on one basketball. It's inter- yeah. it's entertainment. You know what I mean? They score mm-hmm. what 125 points a game. Yeah, like that's. Right, that's ridiculous. And then until the playoffs come, that's when they kind of turn it up a little bit and they play a little bit harder. But I mean, if you think about it, it's an entertainment business. So like, yeah. realistically, like, if they were like, "Oh, Nooney, go out there and you know shoot corner threes," have because I mean, the Rockets was a team that you know when I played in the G League, <clears throat> they kept telling me, "Tell your agent to come to RGV, which is the G League team, because the way they play." Again, like you have, like you have to shoot within like the first five seconds of the shot clock. That's why I feel like you'd be all right for the Wolves, man. Garrison's trying to turn us into the mini Rockets. I, I, hey, I don't, hey, bro. I always told him, yo, with that shot, bro, you're that you're yeah. gonna be looking for that shot for another ten years. It's not just like in the crazy you get a scenario thing, that's quick, that's tough. I'm like, dude, you're nice. Dude, and, and the crazy thing, you, you have the jumper, the jumper is ingrained. It's it's the D. If you did the defense. Yeah. The defense is the only thing that they're trying to knock you for. That's locked yeah. up. Yeah, other than that, it's like, yeah, that's the only exactly. thing. That's the yeah, only that, thing they're trying to knock you that's for. Another, that's another thing, too, about about the NBA. Like, if you think about it, it's realistically only, what, 10 good defensive players in yeah. the league out of out of how many players? Well, there's 15 you know in the mean? team. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, because you got to think, the NBA, they don't really play defense. They don't. Because if they were such a defensive-oriented league, they wouldn't score 125 points a game. Yeah, that's just a fact. Right, and it's like defense. Yeah, defense really doesn't matter in the NBA until the last five minutes of the game. Like that's yeah. when people are actually trying on defense. You're going to see that that turn, that tick in effort go up, and then that's when you see the real defenders come out. When you when you, yes. I mean, with D. Russ with that relationship, I gotta ask it because he's a new Minnesota boy. Are you still interacting with him now that he's here? Have you ever done any no, work on him? No, I haven't talked to him. I actually, uh, so I don't know if you guys know who Jordan McLaughlin is. Yeah. He, yep. Yeah. He's, yeah. That was, uh, that was my point guard when I was my first year coming to, to the, uh, Nets. He was with us too. And we, uh, you know, yeah, we, we had a really good, we had a really good relationship. And I've just seen him not too long ago. We went out to eat. And he was just telling me about, you know, how D West was inviting the guys over to eat. Like, yeah. and on the lake because he just actually bought a house in I think Minnetonka or Wazetta or something like that. But I haven't talked to him since. You know, obviously I, you know, I've been doing my own thing. He's been doing his thing, so I just kind of, you know. I just thought maybe yeah, some runs to get that pick and pop soon. Yeah, I mean they, there's no runs right now, you know, just because of the virus and stuff like that. So. Okay. But yeah, he was. I mean, he was just telling. He's like, yeah. Uh, he asked. He asked uh, my boy. He's like, yeah, you guys want to come over and. Lake and do all this stuff, but I think I was done. So, I, but yeah, 
that's that's just crazy, man. The Nets, you guys have, uh, I mean, you were a part of the nucleus before everything really popped off there, which is absurd. Because that's, I mean, that team that you guys had before they shipped him out was crazy. And now I know Kyrie and KD and and DeAndre Jordan are taking over with it all. But I mean, you guys were there when it was like, man, these boys are about to be the next big thing. Yeah, I'm talking about it too. That's just absurd. The NBA is so crazy how quick things can change in that league. Yeah, for real. Well, my guys, I really appreciate you coming on. I always have a pleasure talking with you, Abba, and it's nice to meet you officially, Noonie. We'd love to have you guys back whenever you want to come back. For sure, man. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Appreciate yeah, you. Thank you.